Hello and a big warm welcome to this week's Wildlife Matters podcast. So, how are you feeling today? Isn't it nice just to be asked by someone sometimes? I hope it's the answer is you're feeling good and ready to listen to what we've got in store for you today. Because on today's Wildlife Matters podcast, we begin our partnership with One Voice for Animals UK, who are dedicated to animal welfare in the UK. One Voice for Animals brings together smaller animal welfare establishments under one umbrella to create greater awareness of the vitally important work that they all do. They also provide practical support to those organisations and have created a UK-wide directory so that you, the public, can find your local rescue when you need one. All that on one website. Yeah, that is fantastic. So get your pen and papers ready because I'm going to give you the website address right now, which is... Ready? Okay, it is www.onevoiceforanimals.co.uk. Okay, there's no dots, no dashes, no nothing in that main name. So let me give it to you again. It is www.onevoiceforanimals.co.uk. And to get us started, we meet with Lindsay from Greatfield Small Animal Rescue in the West Midlands to tell you all about what's happening this week. Yeah, this week is Small Pet Rodent Awareness Week, or SPRAW. And Lindsay and some of her colleagues in One Voice for Animals have worked hard to make a great week. You can find out all about it over on the SPRAW, S-P-R-A-W, on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook and they have their own website that Lindsay will give you the details of in our chat. That is coming up on the Wildlife Matters podcast next. We're a, we're a home run rescue, so we, we run the rescue from our home. We started back in 2020, just before the pandemic. We had a lot of mice, rats that were being surrendered over to the rescue. Many we found weren't in what we deem as the correct environment for them oh. and i think this is, this is a lack of education a lot of the research flagged up that this was incorrect right anyway so the rest continued for three years early in 2020 one voice for animals was launched who are campaigners for all sorts of different rescues helping keep standards up raising much needed funds yes yeah vital work um, exactly so myself and One Voice for Animals found there was a gap in people's education. There was a lot of awareness weeks for your rabbits and your guinea pigs. We are Small Rodent Awareness Week, but because guinea pigs have already got their own little special day, we don't cover those in our week. Oh, okay. We don't claim to know everything. A lot of work has to go into finding out this information. So we've joined and collaborated with lots of other you know, rescues across the country who can offer their guidance and advice. We are trying to put forward the message of people think they're a small, easy pet 
However, these five freedoms they need is what we're looking to, to put across for people. So it's not as daunting as people think the information's there in front of them rather than having to collate their own little pieces of information everywhere. We devised this week where we, we've created this website where all the information is. It covers your dagoos, chinchillas, rats, mice, hamsters and gerbils. The awareness week coming up snippets of that information this year we're covering delicious diets so we should be feeding from a pet shop isn't necessarily what it is so we're trying to focus on that this year but all the other information is covered on the website which is there the whole time right because it's so important for everything isn't it the right diet and you know that's how how every animal including us is happy and healthy isn't it so it's, it's been a learning curve for all of us, um, especially with there's been recent changes with hamster recommendations. The house sizes have now gone up. So we have to be on it all the time because it's it's for them. It, they don't have a voice. So we're there to make sure that people can get the right information to provide the best for their pet yeah and and it sounds like you've created the perfect one-stop shop for anybody who's got one of these or is thinking about getting one of the uh, species that you've talked about this is the perfect place to come isn't it to your website to to get all the information you need yeah definitely we're not in it there's no profit that there's no end game for us we're not selling anything we are there to provide advice of a standard which these small little furries should be living in. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they they obviously deserve the best standard, just as every other animal does. And, that you know, they should have the same, shouldn't they? I saw also you've adopt or don't shop. Yes, adopt, don't shop. Yes. You've nailed it pretty much. It, it's one of those, we are rescues. Yes, we are full. There are rescues all up and down the country that are full. There is no need for us to be going and having an impulse buy as we walk into a pet shop picking up a cheap pet we'd say go to a rescue get the advice get the the background on the animal you've got it's a bit different with rodents because we don't as a rule castrate neuter we don't have to vaccinate but you've got the medical history any reputable rescue would not send an animal out which had obvious needs that needed to be addressed without fourth knowledge being passed over to the owner. There's backup for life. Any rescue would take an animal back that has has come from a rescue. Many times people are ill. Financial situations is a big one at the moment. With their advice, support for the life of the animal, there's just so many in need. It is not necessary to be going and buying. Many of these animals aren't children's pets you know the amount of times hamsters are surrendered into care because they've bought them for a child hamster hamsters are nocturnal (laughs) children children as a rule sleep and that's a big one yeah simple to avoid if people just do a little bit of research but of course that isn't always the case is it and we all we want the best out of our pets as well as the best for them you want to see them displaying as natural a habitat as they can in captivity. Yes. But again, by coming to, <laughs> so, yeah. to a rescue like you, you would get that advice, wouldn't you? What one of the um, species would perhaps be best suitable for whatever the person's situation is. Exactly. Yeah. 
the information and all the personalities are individual to each animal yeah. if somebody wants an animal and they're they're happy to leave it be there might be a bit of a rodent with some character who doesn't like to be handled which might be a bit better than one which does like the interaction exactly yeah you get that opportunity to match the best of your ability the person with the uh, companion yeah. that's sometimes that's all people want isn't it a companion exactly yeah, yeah. so yeah adopt don't shop does come in under the small pet rodent awareness week so that's all the people who are partnered with it are all advocates small pet rodent awareness week is fast approaching on us it's 12 months in the making starts on the 18th of september runs through till the 24th of september every day is focused on a particular rodent your chinchillas your dagoos your rats hamsters your mice and your gerbils this year we're covering diet diets of chinchillas dagoos rats gerbils mice and hamsters um every day is going to be specific to the particular rodent that we're talking about that day it may be covering over best foods to feed tips how to provide natural feeding for them foods to avoid water bottles or water bowls the week will cover snippets of the information we cannot cover everything in depth in in one day no, per animal no, i understand there's so um, much information but and all the information is then on the website yeah so then the website's there all year round not just for the week it's all broke down into the particular rodent so that's easy access the particular posts throughout that week will be on facebook and instagram we invite people in, share your photos of your rodent, message us if there's anything you feel you want to contribute. Maybe that it rolls into next year, we can put it on the website. Ordinarily, we've done competitions. We've gone for something a bit different this year. We are running a mini auction. Oh, great. Lots of lovely, cute items that um, are up for grabs. The money raised will be donated to rodent rescues. So people who bid on them select which rodent rescue they'd like to send the funds to we do have a directory of those so people don't have to have a panic thinking i don't know where my nearest one is or who i want to that is so good if you want to get involved send us your pictures of your rodents if you've got any questions we may as picking up the messages might not know the answer straight away but we've got a team behind us who we can reach out to to get the correct information to you In an ideal world, where would we like this information to end up? With pet owners or people who are looking to get pets. Further afield, it would be great if veterinary practices could push this and do display boards. Pet shops. I always say this to people. If you want a TV, you'd go to a TV shop, you know, an electrical store and say, which TV is the best? People go to a pet shop because they feel the information they would get there. And from them, it is right. And it isn't necessarily that. Your accommodations they sell can be, not always, but can be too small. The foods they sell can be too sugary. We would love for people to push this back to people selling these products. But ultimately, pet owners are the ones who are going to make the choices. And it, it doesn't have to be costly to do it right. No. It really, it really doesn't. And that's so important to know, isn't it? That again, they can get guidance on where to get the right foods and the balanced diet all from the website. Yeah, it is. I I will always say this. It is not your prerogative to have a pet. It is a luxury. It is an honour. 
please look at finances. Can I accommodate financially and the space and the time? Can you give these animals the life they deserve? That's such an important message. I'm really glad you made that point. Yeah, it, it really is. These these little animals, they, they can be costly. You know, we, we've had we've had these little ones in with tumours that run up into hundreds, say it's sometimes thousands of pounds. And I think it, it deemed that they're, because they're small or they might only live a couple of years, why spend the money? But that is, it, it might be to us, it's only two years, but that's that animal's whole life. Exactly. It's its lifespan, isn't it? Yeah. And, and nothing is guaranteed. You know, as much as rescues like to give out as much information as they can about the animals, there are things that crop up whether you go to a pet shop and buy an animal or whether you go to a rescue, the information that you're giving the animal, we give to the best of our knowledge. But there is also bills that crop up, veterinary bills, as a surprise. Yeah. And there is no way around it. There is no, we can't. Insurance, yeah, you pay, but you've got to be able to afford to fund your insurance. So education, that's really what we, we want to do. Yes. Me personally, I take them in. I see both ends of it. I'm rescuing them through the door. That's all well and good until people want to change, want the best, want to educate themselves. It's very hard to move but, forwards then, isn't it? Yeah. I'll reiterate, we want the best for and out of our pets. So let's do the best for them. It's it's a privilege. It's an honour. So No, that's fantastic. And a really good motto that clearly you go by all the time. So the, the website, do you want to uh, give us the website address and also your names on Facebook and Instagram? So if you look up Small Pet Rodent Awareness Week or SPAW, S-P-R-A-W, on Facebook or Instagram, you can find our pages on there. And the website where the information remains year-round is smallpetrodentawarenessweek.co.uk. That's fabulous. Just a reminder for everybody, just in case they didn't write it down first time, when is Small Pet Rodent Awareness Week in 2023? This year it starts on the 18th of September and runs through till the 24th of September. That's brilliant. Hello and welcome to this week's Wildlife Matters main feature and today it's one of the hardest ones I've ever done because this is my attempt to explain the process of fox hunting based on decades of doing everything I could in the field to stop it. I have also spent many years working to bring those who hunt illegally to justice. This is not in any way meant to justify or indeed glorify the cruelty that is fox hunting. Fox hunting involves using packs of dogs to locate, chase and kill foxes. The hunters can be on horseback or on foot. The dogs are specialist scent hounds trained to detect and follow the scent of a red fox. A typical foxhound pack contains 30 to 40 dogs and is generally accompanied by dozens of hunters who take on various roles. And despite this being the 21st century, the people involved in a fox hunt are still known as masters and servants. The hunt masters are the bosses or the organisers. They're kind of like company directors, really. They are financially and legally responsible for the hunt. 
the role of the Huntmaster carried some significant prestige in fox hunting circles. Most hunts have several masters, and not all masters are present at every hunt meeting. Whipper Inns keep the hounds from going astray. They'll crack a whip to block the fox escape routes and point out any fleeing fox to a huntsman. And of course, there are the terrier men who block up fox earth and badger sets before the hunt. This is called preparing the ground. It is done to stop the foxes naturally hiding underground. During the hunt, the terrier men follow the huntsmen and hounds on quad bikes with terriers in a metal box on the quad bike. If the hounds chase the fox underground, the terrier men will put a terrier down the hole after the fox to either locate and trap it while they dig it out and then they will release it in front of the hounds or they may keep it and use it as what is known as a bagged fox which is one that they keep in a sack and ready to be released on a day when perhaps they couldn't find any foxes in the field. Hunts try to attract supporters who will pay to take part in the day. Anywhere from a dozen to sometimes as many as a hundred riders may pay to accompany a mounted fox hunt and these riders are collectively known as the field. Each rider will pay a cap or fee to the hunt master. Hunt supporters play no official role but may influence the controlling of the hounds by alerting the huntsman of the location of foxes. They do assist with blocking fox escape routes and making noise to try and disorientate a fleeing fox. Sometimes people pay to follow the hunt on foot or in their cars and will often try to prevent foxes from escaping or pursuing hounds. Most fox hunts meet two to four times weekly from early autumn until mid-spring. Numerous foxes can be chased during one hunt meet and individual foxes can be chased multiple times in one day. According to the hunters, the length of the chase may vary considerably from a few minutes to well over an hour or even longer. Still, the average is around 15 to 20 minutes. The distance covered may be anything up to six or maybe seven miles in a circular or twisting line. No animal has adapted to being chased by packs of dogs accompanied by dozens of people, many of them on horseback, shouting and horn blowing, all trying to prevent that animal's escape. It really is not natural. The chased fox suffers extreme stress that it is not biologically equipped to cope with. The hunts are deliberately preventing the foxes from performing their natural coping behaviour. Foxes naturally escape predators by going underground, but hunt terrier men block these escape routes, forcing an unnaturally long chase. If a fit fox does succeed in escaping by going underground, the terriers are sent down after them to trap the fox while the terrier men dig it out. The government commissioned Burns report that was published in the year 2000 concluded that the inability to escape dogs underground causes the fox extreme fear and is a serious compromise of its welfare. Foxes forced to face terriers underground are routinely killed, but not before they've suffered injuries to their face, head and neck. 
This can also apply though to terrier dogs who are often left with untreated wounds and they will be shot as they are no longer of any use to the terrier man. Foxes caught by the pack of hounds above ground suffer a violent death. Autopsies have revealed that they are not killed quickly, as is often claimed by the hunters, but instead are forced to endure numerous bites and tears to their flanks and hindquarters, causing enormous pain and suffering before their death. Further suffering is caused during hunts in the spring. Many fox hunts operate in March, April and some even into early May when female foxes are likely to have had cubs in their underground den. If the vixen is hunted whilst out finding food, her young cubs will die as they will rely on her for food and warmth. Fox hunts use many other dirty tricks to ensure that they get the thrill of the kill every time they meet. Both pre and post ban have had multiple exposures of hunts building and maintaining artificial fox earths. And these are man-made structures designed to mimic ancient foxes earth that provide breeding space and shelter. And the hunts or terrier men provide supplementary food to encourage the foxes to stay in the area. This widespread practice was even acknowledged by hunters in submissions to the Burns Inquiry. And the inquiry's response undermines hunters' claims of fox control. You see, Lord Burns noted, it is hard to reconcile any use of an artificial earth by the hunts with the argument that foxes are a pest and that their numbers need to be controlled through hunting. The active use of artificial earths with a view to hunting is inconsistent with the stated objective of controlling fox numbers. Hunts even resort to using bagged foxes to ensure that they'll get a kill. The terrier men track foxes or sometimes they'll buy them from gamekeepers, hold them captive until hunt day and then release them in front of the hounds. Back in May 2015, a league against cruel sports investigation discovered 16 fox cubs being held captive next to a fox hunt's kennels. In 2012, an employee of the Fitzwilliam Hunt was convicted under the Animal Welfare Act for holding a pregnant vixen captive in cruel conditions. And during the height of the campaign for the ban on hunting, both the Sinnington and Cottesmore Hunt were caught keeping fox cubs captive, waiting to be hunted. The dogs are trained to fox hunt. Training is done in the early autumn when fox hunts go cubbing, also referred to as autumn hunting, and now more commonly called hound exercise. All these terms refer to the same cruel practice, that is, using packs of hounds to kill cubs. The new hounds are taught to kill the young fox cubs, dispersing them from their parents' territory. These naive cubs are easy prey for the hunt as the cubs do not know the escape routes in the unfamiliar areas that they are exploring. Hunt members assist the young hounds by surrounding woods where the dogs have detected foxes and shouting, bang their saddles and slapping their thighs so the young foxes are just too scared to flee from the woods and the hounds can easily catch and kill them. 
Hunts have been monitored for decades by volunteers opposed to hunting, collectively known as hunt saboteurs. Hunt sabs have given their time freely and regularly over many, many years to stop hunters from killing foxes. A quick look online will reveal numerous videos of hunts who have not laid any trail before they meet. Trail hunting has always been about deception. It's a game of smoke and mirrors that was purposely created by hunts to get around the hunting act. It is important to explain that drag hunts use bloodhounds that have been trained to follow a non-animal scent, and that's usually aniseed, and laid across fields. Clean boot hunting is also not the same as trail hunting. Clean boot hunts follow a human runner over a pre-laid course. With both clean boot and drag hunting, the emphasis is for the rider to enjoy riding the horse across a range of terrain, and they are usually skilled horse riders. You will never see a drag or clean boot hunt crossing a main road, holding up traffic, and generally causing a public disturbance. Neither do they ride through villages and towns, trespass in people's gardens, or get their hounds hit by cars and trains. And that's why you don't see hunt saps following drag or clean boot hunts. There simply is no reason to. Clean boot and drag hunts will also not abandon their hounds when in potentially difficult situations, particularly when the police have been called. Wildlife Matters believe that the releasing of the Zoom webinars is another significant nail in the coffin for fox hunting. Their undeniable bloodlust is intense and they are well connected within the British system. But what they do is illegal, immoral and totally unjustifiable. And that's why I believe that one day soon we will put an end to fox hunting forever. And that has been this week's Wildlife Matters main feature. Ah, oh, that's great. I really hope you've enjoyed today's show. Where does the time go? You know, the summer is drawing to a close and the abundance of autumn is coming. And is episode 12 of season two coming to an end as well? So another season under our belt. But please do look out for our bonus episode that's coming out on the 23rd of September. Yes, the autumn equinox, where we're trying something new and a little bit different and we would really appreciate your feedback on that one because um, it's exciting times. We're trying out new things. In the interim, Wildlife Matters is off for a couple of weeks. We're going around the country and putting some boots on the ground, recording Wildlife Matters Investigates in various parts of the country, looking at cub hunting, fox hunting, stag hunting, badger culling. It's all kicking off right now and Wildlife Matters will be there putting our boots on the ground to bring you the latest news. But, and excitingly, we also are recording some great species interviews and some walks, all part of our tour over the next couple of weeks. So do 
look out for us and Raven the camper van on our travels all around the UK in the coming weeks. But Wildlife Matters will be back on the 11th of October with a full feature interview with Lucy Steele from Wild Things Rescue in Lincolnshire. And that will start off our brand new autumn winter season three. Lots for you to look forward to. I wish you a wonderful end to the summer and a great start to the autumn. Enjoy the equinox however you celebrate it. But for now, this is me, your host, Nigel Palmer, Wildlife Matters, signing out.